Thank you for joining the City Growth Church Podcast. Here at CGC, we're a community of imperfect people living in apprenticeship to a perfect God. If you enjoyed today's message, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a brief review to help make this resource more available to your loved ones. God bless you, and let's start tracking together starting with today's message. Revelation, uh, chapter 6, starting at verse 1, but before we get there, we've got to go on a bit of a field trip, so to speak. Anybody remember being in school, like going on a field trip, like that was something to be excited about, like that was, that was the bomb, right? Alright, so this is not that kind of a field trip. We're not leaving this room, right? I know. Uh, but we are, however, uh, going to have to we have to go backwards in, in Scripture to get uh, to where we need to be uh, for where we're currently at. Does that make sense for everybody? So the steps to get where we need to be are maybe not necessarily what you would expect. Right? To get us there... Uh, I need us to go back to the book of Genesis, right? Because, you know, the best way to get to the end is to start at the beginning. Uh, But we need to go to uh, the book of Genesis, and we're going to be in chapter 1 for a few verses. uh, And then we're going to pop over to the book of Genesis chapter 3. We'll take a slight detour in Matthew, which will bring us to where we need to be in Revelation 6, right? Anybody ever heard from the South? The old expression, we're going around the elbow to get to a, another place. No. Right? Yeah, we're just the armpit. We're going around the elbow to get to the armpit. Uh, so Matthew, we're going to start here in, in Genesis chapter 1. And I need us to start here at verse 26. And it'll say, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. According to our likeness. Very important. We were made as image bearers. We are not the image, guys. I think a lot of people lose, lose sight and lose track of that. Uh, what's, what people say, you know, the best thing since sliced bread? That is not us. We are simply image bearers of God. What happened with us as image bearers, however, is that we decided that we were greater than the Creator. The creation decided 
that it had surpassed the Creator. Uh, the student decided that they had surpassed the Master, if that makes sense. So God says, let us make mankind in our image. So already, at the very beginning of the Bible, we, we start to see uh, in, in, in the first opening verses uh, that the Spirit is over what He's creating. Right? So we have the Spirit of God. So we'll see the Holy Spirit beginning. And then here, when God says, let us make mankind in our image, we see that Jesus is already here before anything else, right? The, the, the Alpha and the Omega was the three-part God in one, which started to, 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 uh, to actually take on different roles in what they uh, were able, you know, what they actually were able to accomplish by, by taking the three parts and, and heading in different directions. So here we have, uh, they're, they're going in different directions, but all in one singular purpose. Does that make sense? Uh, let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth. We were made as image bearers to serve almost like... You ever seen uh, two, two dogs that they'll, they'll start like battling it out, right? And there's a cat. And that cat comes and is like the police officer, so to speak, and then the dogs are like, no, we don't want, we don't want beef anymore because the cat's here. We were, were actually made for that, that similar purpose, right? Is that all the chaos that was going on in the world, we were here, we were put here to actually uh, steward over it, right? We were, we were made to actually uh, serve as an, an enforcer of sorts, right? To keep God's creation in a, in, into a singular pattern. So it continues and it says, Over all the earth, over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. Verse 27, So God created man. Here when we see man, this is mankind, right? Uh, but in this individual instance, man as an atom. Uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And now look, mankind... Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them. Very important. God blessed them. And God said to them, here's, here's where my favorite part, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. <clears throat> All right, guys, before we get to Genesis 3, let, let me stop you for a second. We were actually made to live... Check this out. Remember, linear, cyclical, right? We were made to live within the cyclical pattern of God. We were made to rule with Him. D does that make sense? He is the Lord over us, and then we would then take His pattern, take His guidelines, and instill them on the earth. God gave us that power, and God gave us that authority. And in true God fashion, He says, and you can have all this, right? Like, this is all made for us together. Don't touch that tree. There's literally an entire earth, right? Everything else is fair game. Don't touch that. Right? Like, that's the rule. And much like a train wreck, much like a car wreck, if you tell someone, don't look, 
they look like instantly, right? So God says, don't touch this. We know better, right? Like, we know best. So we touch, of course. Which brings us to uh, Genesis chapter 3. Alright? <clears throat> so now the, now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. Okay, hold on for a second. Back here, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Look who, has the, look who has the power and authority. Hold on to this. Remember that we were created to rule over every crawling thing. This is the end of, of verse 26. Over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. God gave us the power by His authority to rule over. Genesis 3, alright? Now the serpent, the thing that we rule over, right? The thing that God put us, the devil, right? The devil's in our lives. God put us to keep it in order. And the thing comes to us and says, hey, let's, read, let's look at your priority list. I've got this authority, uh, you know, I've got this power. Don't you want a little bit of it? The thing that we controlled told us that he would give us power, that he would give us this authority, that he would give us this mission, he would give us this purpose. All we have to do is listen to him. L listen to him, guys. Uh, Genesis 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more cunning than any animal of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God really said, and guys, just in case you're wondering, go and read uh, the end of chapter 1 and chapter 2. Yes, God really did say these things. Did God really say, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? God's like, look guys, God said, everything's fair game, not that one. And the devil said, now did God really say? Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden. So she repeats what God has told her. From the tree in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it. We're not even supposed to touch it. Or you will die. Direct quote God. Verse 4. The serpent, the thing that we have control over, the thing that we actually had authority over, which is now telling us the authority that he'll give us. Y'all holding that? The serpent said to the woman, You, will, you certainly will not die. He, he's, he just did the most dangerous thing that has ever been done. He put doubt in our mind. And, and actually, he didn't put the doubt there. He just dangled a carrot out and we grabbed it up. Does that make sense? If you go to the book of Job, the devil doesn't actually have any power or authority over us. In order for him to afflict Job... He had to ask permission from God. The devil doesn't just come in. Y'all can, can write that one down and go check that one. The devil doesn't just come in and have authority and power. No, we had to give it to him. The serpent said to the woman, You certainly will not die. 
For God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will become like God, knowing good and evil. We were tricked by the thing that we were put here to rule over. In the great uh, checks and balances, yeah, we kind of messed up on that one, guys. On the broader scale, in the broader scheme of things, yeah, that was our bad. Now that we've took a little detour, let's, we're, we're, we're almost to where we need to be. Let's come forward into Matthew uh, chapter 24. This is what's known as the Olivet Discourse. Uh, if your Bible has a subheader on chapter 24, it probably has a header or a subheader here that says something to the nature of signs of Jesus Christ's return. Or signs of the Lord's return. Uh, chapter 24. I'm going to read. We're going to read through uh, verse 8. I'm going to start here at 1. It'll start on our screen. Verse 3 is where we really pick up. But let me just let me bring us here. Uh, Jesus left the temple area and was going on his way when his disciples came up to the point of the temple buildings to him. Verse 2. But he responded and said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. He's speaking of so much more than the temple here in Jerusalem, guys. Let's read verse 2 one more time. But he responded and said to them, Do you not see all these things? In other words, I've been here, I've been telling you, I, I've literally done everything but touch your, your, your noggin and put it in there uh, in, in full context, right? Like I've given it to you to apply to your lives. Do you not see? Not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And here we pick up in verse 3. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will happen. Again, guys, look at the creation trying to tell the Creator how to do his job. Look at us deciding that we know best, right? And the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. Alright, remember guys, I told y'all the way that I like to do things is let's put all the information out and you make your own decisions on what you think God has revealed to you. A lot of people say the closing of, of, of Scripture, the closing of the canon, the completion of the Bible, that was the end of the age. Uh, they'll base this claim then to say that the spiritual gifts of which teaching of which preaching, right, have ended. They don't want to hear those two. But the part where speaking in tongues, the part where healing, the part where prophesying His name, those things came to an end. Right? I'm here to tell you that the age, in my opinion, the age of completion is not completed until He has come back once again which as we study in Revelation will come in chapter 19, uh, verses 11 through 16 will actually tell the second coming of Christ. Remember that when Christ is, is, is killed for our sin, 
Uh, you may recall that he has a certain phrasing where he tells someone not to, don't touch me, right? Don't cling to me for having, having ascended yet because he was still here, right? There then also comes this, all right, I'm going to say a word and I want to look at your faces to see word association, Hades, right? You probably got a negative connotation when I said the word Hades. We'll get to that. Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will mislead many people. The spirit of the Antichrist will come through many people, guys. Direct quote Jesus. The quote-unquote Antichrist will be a singular person or entity, right? Which, again, open interpretation here. People will... I've seen a pretty compelling argument that America, the spirit of the Antichrist is America. I think it fits. Yeah, why does it fit? We'll, we'll see and we'll pick back up here in uh, Revelation 6. We're going to see with the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? Verses 1 through 8, right? We'll start to see things that Jesus warns us of that come and start here in Matthew chapter 24. Tell us when these things will happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you many <clears throat> For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many people. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for these things must take place. God says, prepare yourself. It's going to get bad before it gets any better. If anybody's ever known someone that, that had, a, had a surgical operation, say they had a tumor, Right? Do you know how they make the tumor better? Well, one of the ways that they make the tumor better is to remove the tumor. So to be healed, you must be hurt. Right? Before it can get better, it only gets worse. Verse 6. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For these things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. But all these things are merely the beginning of the birth pains. Y'all with me again? Alright, so we'll... It's kind of funny because yesterday, uh, Ginger had asked me something and I, I gave her a phrase. I said, hold on to this. Right? It'll be, it'll be important. Right? Like, hold on to it. And the phrase that I gave her was planned obsolescence. It's a funny phrase. Everybody say it with me. Planned obsolescence. What does this mean in layman's terms? Right? Because I know that's what you're wanting to hear. So... The, the, the definition, and then I'll give you the layman's term, the definition is a policy of producing consumer goods that rapidly become obsolete and so require replacing. 
achieved by frequent changes in design, termination of the supply of, of spare parts, and the use of non-durable materials. All right, anybody remember, not me, but anybody in this room remember when TVs actually were repaired, right? Like you had a TV repairman, and he came, and he had a special set of tools, and he replaced some tubes, right? And he made it work again. Now what happens if your TV breaks? You throw it in the trash and you buy another one because the parts cost more than just replacing it. So <laughs> there was this thing uh, in the... You can go... We've actually talked about this in, in greater detail, but when the light bulb was first coming into, uh, into uh, being created and then the patent kind of making it out, there was what's called the Phobos Cartel. That sounds like a Mexican drug lord, right? And like narcos, right? It's not. It's even worse. This is a bunch of rich people that came together and said, wait a minute. See, the light bulb was actually intended to last indefinitely. Did you guys know that? There's still a light bulb that's in a, in a firehouse out in California or Colorado that was produced in like the late 1800s, and that bad boy's still kicking. But what these big monopolizers decided was, man, wait a minute, that's great that we can make a product that's good, but if it lasts forever, how can we keep making money? So then as the, the Phobos cartel comes together, they do some things that are kind of illegal, and they decide, hey, we're going to make light bulbs last less time. And it went from this indefinite lasting light bulb, right, and then you had 15 and 20 year bulbs, right? Because they're like, hey, we'll, we'll make it so that it'll last a long time, but like you're still going to have to come back to us. Well, as time has progressed, the time on the light bulb is less and less and less and less than it ever was before. And here's the really crazy part. It's duller than it ever was before, right? They have literally... Literally taking, taking the illumination from us. Now bulbs, if you read the box, they'll have like a one to two year lifespan. They give Check this out, guys. Check this out. The light bulb was made to last. Things were made to last. But we, the creation, right, had this great idea where we were in control. We, human race have made planned obsolescence onto our own lives. We were made to last with God. As time has went by, as sin has become more prevalent, go and read the Bible. Look at the lifespans back in the early part. Right? We have people lasting a whole long time. And I don't care how you, they say, oh, well, you know, they were just counting it by seasons and a season was a year. That's still a lot longer than we're living today. The, the more advanced we get, the shorter that our life expectancy is. Why? Because planned obsolescence to ourselves, guys. Because the Creator told us we can live in obedience to Him and live indefinitely, in, literally in paradise, guys, in paradise. And we said, I've got a better idea. How about no, let's not do that. 
right? How about let's not live in paradise? How about let's struggle all of our lives? How about let's not have the things that you intended for us to have? Because I've got power. And God is like, wait a minute. You're literally taking power away from yourselves. Planned obsolescence. We're going to see, <clears throat> as we jump into Re uh, Revelation uh, 6 here in a second, a counterfeit supply and literally a counterfeit Jesus. Y'all heard that? A counterfeit Jesus, but all Jesus, anti-Jesus, or as we know it, the Antichrist or the spirit of the Antichrist. Again, it's a thing that's open for interpretation here. What does, what does this mean? Right? We'll, we'll get to it. Now that we've took our detour, now that we've took our slight field trip, let's jump to Revelation woo, chapter 6. Right? Let's jump to Revelation chapter 6. And I'm going to pick up here for us, starting in verse 1. Alright. Remember four and five, about chapters 4 and 5? What was it? It was a big celebration in heaven. Y'all remember that? There were worship songs. Right? The creation, once again, was praising our Creator. It was like great times in heaven. Alright guys, before things can get better... Sometimes they only get worse. Right? Has anybody ever seen metal uh, be purified? It looks really bad. Right? They take this solid block of metal, whatever kind of ferrous material it is, and they put it in what I believe is called a crucible. Right? And that, that, yeah, look at me. Or a forge. Right? And they put it in here, and they heat it up beyond its purification temperature. Beyond purification temperature. And what happens is the impure materials literally start to separate. You can watch these little videos on YouTube. It's pretty interesting, not going to lie to you. They'll take something and they'll actually scrape away these impure materials and take it out. Before that metal gets better, its life gets a lot worse, guys. Right? It was living as a happy, solid block of metal, just doing whatever it is that metal does, and then we're like, hey... I've got this really cool idea. Let's put you on fire. Right? <laughs> but in the end product, the metal's life does get better because the impurities are separated. It gets a lot better, or it gets a lot worse before it gets any better. All right, so now, now that I've, I've kind of given you a precursor, all right, we're going to start. Who, when we, when we said we were going to start studying the book of Revelation, was like, man, that's going to get controversial. All right? Boom, the controversy starts today. How does that sound? <laughs> so we just left praise and worship music in the throne room. Immediately the vision takes us here. Again, guys, open to interpretation. We know that John is in the present, in the past, in the present, looking into the future. Does that make sense? We are now beyond the time when John lived, so that was in the past. And he was in the present, or in that moment, seeing into the future. Yeah, that's inception. So here we pick up, and it says, Then I saw, remember he's got, the, the lamb literally takes the scroll into his hand, that has seven seals, and everybody's crying out, Who is worthy? And we're all looking all over the earth, 
And Jesus is like, <clears throat> right, right here, you know, right here in the throne room with you. Stop looking around. So the lamb takes the scroll, and here he opens the very first seal. Anybody happen to remember what was inside this scroll? It is literally the, the basically the blueprint for how mankind can get back to paradise with God once again. Right? Remember the thing that God promised us in the very beginning that we looked at in Genesis chapter 1? Alright, how do we get back to that? That's what's inside the scroll. And there are seven seals that have to be opened before the scroll can be laid out to begin, right, to be read out. And so the very first one, Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of, or the first, your translation may say, of the seven seals. Woo! Let's get controversial, right? And I heard one of the four living creatures, remember we have four, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice of thunder, Come! Some translations will say, Come and see. Right? Uh, uh, some translations, I believe, actually say, Come and go forth. Right? So it's, a, it's an invitation followed by a command. Right? So come, I looked and behold a white horse. Paul's. Here's where one of those places where there's one interpretation and there's another interpretation, right? So the one interpretation is, because we see it again and again in Revelation chapter 19, a lot of people are familiar with this, Jesus comes on His second coming on a white horse, right? Alright, so that's where the similarities end, but some people do think that this is Jesus. I'm not one of those people, but again, here's where, where the, the, there's a fork in the road. You do with it what, what, you're, you know, what God lays upon your heart. Uh, but it says, And look, behold, a white horse, and the one who sat on it had a bow. Alright, why do we not think it's Jesus? Anybody remember the weapon that Jesus had? It was a sword that came from his mouth. It was a two-edged sword. Hebrews says that it was a two-edged sword, right, that cuts from truth and lies. Right? Again, open to interpretation. Here's both sides of the, of, the, of the equation. You let God reveal to your heart right, what, what, what He has for you. Uh, and He said, the one who sat on it had a bow and a crown. And here's where it gets better, is that the Greek here for this crown is, uh, I believe, is Stephanos, which is, like it's a crown. Right? When Jesus comes back in Revelation 19, He has, anybody ever heard the, the phrase diadem? Right? Uh, there's there's a, a there's a hymn that I like to read, and it, it actually refers to to God, to Jesus coming back, and He has a glory diadem. This is a crown, but this is a crown that has all majesty. In other words, this is the crown. There's crowns, and then there's the crown. So this guy comes with a crown, not the crown. <coughs> And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Alright, so here we have our very first, uh, people will say, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, right? Or the four horsemen of the tribulation. Here's the first one. It's the white rider. It's the white horse. Uh, with this one uh, will actually come war and destruction. Y'all heard that? War and 
destruction. Uh, he's referred to here uh, <clears throat> where it says, and he went out conquering and to conquer. This is the Greek word nikeo, which is division. Right? This is a conquering that actually divides. So this isn't like a conquer and everybody come together. This is like, uh, what you guys familiar with the term anarchy? Right? Like he's coming to bring anarchy. He's not coming to, to unite. He's literally coming to divide. And so here's again where there are open interpretations. Some people believe that these are like uh, one seal's open, a horse, a rider comes, right? And then like he just magically woo, just goes away into fairyland. And then there's a second seal and a second rider, right? That's, that's one interpretation, not to lessen that interpretation. But more likely, these are a continual of suffering. You, you holding on? One scroll or one seal is opened, and that doesn't mean that rider, that doesn't mean those plagues just magically go away. No, it's a building, it's a continuum. Uh, this, this passage was actually, uh, you know, when you're reading a book, uh, it kind of builds up on itself, right? Like one thing happens and that ends, and then another thing happens. Well, in music, there's what's called, I believe, it's called a crescendo, which is like a building, right? So it builds up. So here, we have what would be like a crescendo. This is just building. One scroll or one seal opens, one thing comes. Another seal opens, we still got that, and then another. Does that make sense to everybody? <coughs> so he went, he was conquering, and he was literally here to conquer. He brings war and destruction. Alright, so if we're looking at this and we're trying to find how this to be Jesus... Again, what do we have in common? White horse, and he's like he's a dictator, I guess. Th those, you know, those we have in common. But that's about it. Again, there are multiple interpretations. You do as God makes you feel led. But more likely, this is, again, this is a spirit of the Antichrist. Why is this a spirit of the Antichrist? Because, again, four horsemen come together to work together. Right? This isn't like one big bad guy. Does that make sense to everybody? This is a, this is a four-part, so this is a, a spirit of Antichrist. There's not seven of them, so he's not a completion. Is that... We, we there? <coughs> so the things that are associated uh, with, with the culmination of history literally progress with the opening of these seals. Right? So we have here... What is Baal Jesus? This is a false messiah. He didn't con remember, we, he didn't conquer to bring everybody together. He conquers to divide. So we continue to verse 3. When he broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature, about four of them, the second living creature saying, Come, and another, a red horse, went out, and to him who sat on it was granted... Hold on to this, guys. There's a power or authority given to him. Here's another place where we're open to interpretation. Is this authority that's from God, right? Or is this an antichrist authority? We have now given the devil in our lives authority that he was never intended to have. Right? And another, a red horse went out, and to him who sat on it, it was granted to take peace 
from the earth. That is his power, guys. Not that he comes and brings some, some crazy thing. No, no, no. It's what he takes away. The peace that we were made, again, in Genesis chapter 1, the peace that we were made to live with God's creation, right? To live in his unity with him. He's now taken, the, the red horse has taken that peace away. One of the most dangerous things that, that he could ever do. Just like the, just like the, 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 the serpent in the, in the garden, right? It wasn't what he did that made him powerful. It was the doubt that he had us to instill upon ourselves. So it's not what this horseman does that is dangerous. It's more so, it's what he doesn't do, right? It's what he allows us to do to ourselves. It's the destruction that we as humanity, we as mankind, will do to ourselves. And he was granted to take peace from the earth and that people would kill one another. Was it his power to kill people? Mm -mm. He just took out the common sense in ourselves that says, hey, we're not supposed to kill each other. And we did, all, we did all the running away with that one, right? And the people would kill one another. And a large sword was given to him. The sword, again, as you pull out your, your Greek lexicon, the sword here is more like a cavalry sword. So it's got one edge on it. It's got a dull, blunt side. It's got a sharp edge. Not the two-sided sword that Jesus possesses. Look at how we have, literally, a false Jesus, guys. Y'all with me? Yes, sir. The idea is implanted and instilled here of a false Jesus. Where Jesus is the Prince of Peace, where Jesus is our great, uh, literally, peace giver, we now have one that comes, the white horse, in his image, and a second that removes peace. And that people would kill one another, and a large sword was given to him. Uh, if you are a history buff and you like history, uh, there was what was called at this it would have been happening in this same time period that John was back in the past and the present, right? It was called Pax Romana. If you, you know, since I know we're all history buffs, but we're let's just be common together. This was peace of Rome, right? This was what was known as an Enlightenment period. That's how it's advertised, right? Like it's advertised as this good thing. Um, what happened during Pax Romana, Romana was that racism, cultural disappropriation, marginalization was more rampant than it had ever been in history. The peace that they were celebrating was by literally segregating themselves. Everybody that wasn't Roman, let's conquer and kill. Is that how you guys imagine peace? No. But that's how mankind practices peace. Does that make sense to you? Yes. That our idea of peace isn't that we live in unity together. Our idea of peace is I don't care what I have to take away from my neighbor as long as I have what I want. Me, 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 me. That's how we get our peace. That's not how we were created, guys. Amen. That's, not how, that's not why we were made. That is our doing. Come, or verse 5, rather, sorry. 
When he broke the third seal, I heard the third living creature saying, Come, or come and see. And I looked, and behold, a black horse. And the one who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hands. We're like, okay, this is good, right? Like, this sounds good. Justice. The exact opposite. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius or a day's wage, and three quarts of barley for a denarius or a day's wage. And do not... Wait a minute, guys, guys, hold on for a second. Barley and wheat. These are sustenance. These are things that can be used for a whole mess of stuff, right? We can use these literally for bread. Jesus is the bread of life. Bread is pretty life-sustaining. You guys know that? Yes. Right? So uh, this idea of a quart for, of, uh, of wheat for a denarius or three quarts of barley for a denarius, this was uh, anywhere between 8 and 12 times the typical cost of wheat or barley. Inflation was at anywhere between 8 and 12 times. Remember I told you guys that uh, you know, one of the biggest fears is that America, we are the spirit of the Antichrist. Anybody been to a grocery store lately? Woo! Woo! Look at, guys, look at everybody. Right? Like, we have people unified like, let's take... Guys, hold on to something. Bread, meat, these sustaining things, look at the price. Woo! Now go to the snack food aisle. Notice that that didn't really go anywhere. It did. But not on the scale that life-sustaining things went. Go to the luxury items. So go to your, your beer and wine. They did, but not at the rate that meat and these sustaining objects did. You want to see some inflation, guys? Go to the cheese aisle. Not the, not the processed cheese. Again, this is the sustaining things. Do y'all hear this, guys? Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to like be a fear monger here. I'm just telling you, we're not making things any better. Now look, behold, a black horse, and the one who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not damage the oil and the wine, the luxury items. The rich, literally, whether you think uh, from the historical view of this is something that happened back in the Roman days, well... We're not doing anything to fix it, right, guys? It's still happening. And now, more than it's ever happened. We live in a country that was founded on the basis of pursuing God and leaving those who we felt kept us from, from being able to pursue God in the way that we saw fit. The people who left to pursue God are now pursuing God less than they ever have before. For the first time, as a nation, as, a, as, as the United States, for the first time, we are 
not a Christian nation anymore. Think about that, guys. The people who were brought, who, who came here and were not afraid of, of, of war of our, of our oppressor, right? We're not afraid of these things. We have now subdued to the oppressor and become oppressed by choice. We chose to become oppressed. And then here's the really crazy part, guys. We gave the oppressor authority. Does that sound familiar? Anybody remember Genesis 3, the little story in the garden? We let someone who we had authority over tell us what, we, what he could give us the authority over. And he's still doing it, and we're still dumb enough to take the bait. In an age where we could be more unified and we could be more intelligent than we ever have before with more knowledge at your hand than was available when we went to the moon. With that available, and we're still more divided than we ever have been in the past. We've chosen it. We have let the oppression come to us. Verse 7, And when the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come, I look and behold an ashen horse. Or some translations will say a pale horse. And I hope for your sake that your translation takes it even a step further and it's a pale green horse. Alright, pull your mind back, guys. Let's think of cartoons. Now... Think of cartoons back in the day. Dead bodies were pale green, right? Like this was this was a common theme for years and years and years. Now in our kids' cartoons, there's very morbid death scenes. You don't believe me? Let your kids get a hold of YouTube and let them go find something called what was it? Morphal. Guys, let me tell you something. And again, I'm, I'm not standing here and saying, oh, you need to you know, put the stranglehold on your kids. But what I'm saying is you need to monitor. Right? We need to monitor what it is that we intake. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come, and I looked, and behold, an ashen horse, and the one who sat on it had the name... Notice that any of these other ones have names, guys. Any, any other writers have actual names? No, they just had descriptions, right? They have descriptors. And the one who sat on it had the name Death. And again, here we go, guys. Here's your, here's your, your. Remember where I asked you guys, what do you think when I said the word Hades? And everybody was like, oh, right? We all had like the unified group. Oh, sucking of the wind. Stop. Misinterpretation here. Hades or Sheol, depending on if we're looking at the Greek, the Aramaic, the Hebrew. This is literally just a dwelling place, place for the spirits. The disembodied you, right? The you who you really are. This is a resting place until we have a final destination. Be it the new heaven and the new earth or the fiery lake that is like a furnace. Possibly. 
Again, here's an open for interpretation sense. Right? This goes back... Oh, let me make sure I tell you right. This goes back... Look at 1 Samuel, if you're a note taker. 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 28. Look at verse 15. Here's where, in my opinion, here's one of the places where I think the Catholics may have something a little more right than we got. Yeah. Ooh. Mm, those guys, right? Where they definitely got it wrong is that there's nothing that we can do that earned the love of God. Y'all with me? Nothing we do that earns the love of God. <laughs> right? But He loves us anyways. Again, call me crazy. Call me what you want. But go and actually study out what the Hebrew uh, for the word Sheol or the Greek, the word Hades here, actually means. We've just said, Hades, hell. Where do we get it from? We don't even know. If I ask you, where did you associate Hades with hell? I don't know, it's just hell. But you, could, you have zero factual basis to say, here's where I found it at. Go and follow, follow the rabbit hole, right? And, and here's where it actually takes you, is that we see, this is a good thing, right? Like, this is God, and people will say, oh, well, you know, what about the people who never had the opportunity to hear the gospel? Will they go to hell? Here's one of the hopeful places where we have in Scripture, and again, back in 1 Samuel chapter 28, here's one of the hopeful places we have to say that this disembodied self, the soul, right, goes to Hades or Sheol, and maybe has the opportunity here at the, the end times, right, to hear the gospel of God, and it's whether they then take that or not. Again, here's the controversial place, here's the open interpretation place, Hades Sheol could be the place it, literally where the soul goes to those who don't have the good anticipated destination, right? And it waits. Again, the Catholics, you said, see it as purgatory. And it's this idea that here's a place for the soul to dwell until the final decision is made. That, that's a hopeful place to me. That's a hopeful place in Scripture where we see where there is an opportunity for those who never hear the gospel. Do I think that because of a lot of it is, is our fault, guys. Do I think that places in China and in Africa, rural Africa, that don't currently have the ability to hear the gospel, do I think they, they don't deserve hell because of our lack of initiative for them to hear the gospel? Does that make sense? Here's a hopeful place in Scripture. Uh, somebody was actually, I actually had this conversation, I don't even remember who it was, I actually had this conversation recently with somebody uh, about, you know, what happens to people who don't hear? This is one of those places where, again, it's not black and white here, guys. We will only know when God tells us, without a shadow of a doubt, without a reasonable doubt, all sides of the equation could have it completely wrong. And God can be like, man, you guys, I love you guys, but I never thought you could have been further from the truth. But we won't know until God brings His Son back for the second coming. So the last writer actually shows that there's going to be a tremendous death toll, right? From the dictatorship, and from war, and from famine and these other calamities that we'll continue to see here 
starting. Guys, let me just, if you're like, came for a hopeful place, this is actually a hopeful place if, if, you, if you know, right? For the next probably 15 to 20 weeks, as we study Revelation from chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19, it's going to seem like it gets a lot worse before it gets better. That's me being a realist with you. That's not me giving you some false optimism. For those who are receptive to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, this will be, believe it or not, this will actually be soothing to your soul. To know that these things, this is not your, this is not your fate. Does that make sense? For those who are far from the gospel, for those that are far from God, this should serve as a wake-up call. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, this is literally an alarm clock. I'm going to leave, it, I'm going to leave you with this, and then we'll, we'll pray. This comes from Matthew chapter 24 again, the Olivet Discourse. Matthew chapter 24, verses 21 and 22, it says, For then there will be a great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. That's, that's hope. That it's going to be bad, right? But that's as bad as it ever gets before it can get better. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of those elect, those days will be shortened. In other words, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if Jesus is not just your Lord, or not just your Savior, but He's your Lord and Savior, those days are cut short for you. So the parts of this where it just gets worse before it gets better, you're fortunate. You're blessed. For those who are far from Jesus Christ, it'll only get worse before it gets better. Right? So remember when we studied uh, the, the, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, we thought, oh man, how can we go from this to Revelation? And notice how it just keeps rearing its head again and again. The things that Jesus was warning us of, the way to live to avoid the, the, this kind of end was all there all along. I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then we will uh, we'll have communion. We ran a little bit long today. Sorry, guys, but it's important that this be delivered. Right? I'm just the mailman. I just deliver the mail, right? Dear Heavenly Father God, we're just so thankful, Lord, to be able to just, just devour Your Word with one another, God, that that we could truly know that Your blood, God, was poured out for, for us, God, and that Your body was, was broken, Lord, to be the sustenance to actually deliver us, God. That when this famine strikes, God, that when this, these hard times come, Lord, that You were all that we need. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the great provider, God. And I just pray that today, Lord, we not take that for granted, Lord, and that we see this as a wake-up call to tell those who we love about the message of Jesus Christ. In Your name we pray. Amen.